Welcome to the Shepherding Talk podcast. My name is Aaron Kimple. Today's episode is a discussion that I had with Roger Schaus about shepherding the apostles. Roger shows us from the Gospels how Jesus spent over three years training, mentoring, equipping, shepherding 12 men, very different men, who would be his apostles to lead his church in sharing the gospel to the world. Enjoy the podcast. And good evening, everyone, and welcome to The Monday Night Bible Study, hosted by the Dallin Road Church of Christ. My name is Aaron Kimple. It is so good to have you with us. I'm so glad to have you with us. Uh, If you're with us tonight on Facebook, please do us a favor right now and share this link with your friends. Also, if you're with us on YouTube, share this link with your friends. Uh, This Uh, We're just so blessed and thankful to have this avenue to talk to people not only in Beaumont, but also around the country and around the world. Glad to have you with us. Uh, We're going to talk tonight about a very important topic called Shepherding the Apostles, and we have my mentor and great friend, Roger Schaus, with us. How are you doing, Roger? Great, great. I appreciate this opportunity. This is the second or third time we've done this. I always enjoy this, and this is always an exciting thing to do. And this topic we're going to talk about tonight, shepherding the apostles, you know, we, we think of shepherding as dealing with elders in the church and, and how they uh, help us get to heaven, but we don't think about where it really started. And it started with Jesus being the good shepherd and him shepherding those 12 apostles. And so we're just going to kind of run through some ideas on that uh, tonight and talk about how Jesus took this band of 12 people and shaped them up and molded them and in a lot of ways, it's kind of a microcosm of a congregation. And I think that we'll see a lot of bridges and a lot of parallels to those things. Awesome. Awesome. So as you're listening tonight or you're watching, make sure that you make those comments, whether you're with us on Zoom or on Facebook, share those comments or questions with us, and we will cover those tonight. So feel free to just ask whatever as we talk about these uh, very important topics. I'm so thankful, Roger. Uh, right before we lead a prayer here, I just want to say how much I appreciate you, Roger, your influence uh, as you're teaching these things, not only in New Albany, Indiana, where you are now, but where you have all over the country to encourage churches to have the shepherding model and the shepherding heart. Uh, I'm just thankful to be here with Max, who who is uh, also one of the pioneers of teaching this across the country and across the world. And uh, so we're so thankful for men like you who are showing us the way back to the scriptures to shepherd like Jesus shepherds. So I'm looking forward to the study tonight. So let's, uh, let's have a prayer, and then we'll let uh, Roger begin with his first point. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for being our shepherd. Uh, we thank you, Father, for loving us and caring for us and feeding us and being tender to us, but also correcting us and training us. We thank you so much, Father, for your love. We pray, Father, for this study tonight. We pray, Father, for Roger, give him clarity, give him wisdom, give him understanding to to take these things from your word, to teach us about Jesus and his apostles so that we can model that in our leadership, both in the church and the community and in the home. And in, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as we begin this, we we recognize that Jesus is the chief shepherd. That's That's what Peter calls him. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd, Psalms 23, John chapter 10, the good shepherd. I mean, the, the scriptures are just filled with examples of Jesus Christ being the shepherd. And I think a great concept we need to appreciate is how he took those 12 apostles, began with them, and got them where they needed to be. And 
and as we said, the introduction, in a lot of ways, it's like the local congregation. Um, we don't get to handpick who the members are. If somebody's walking in fellowship with God, uh, we need to accept them. And so, so as we begin this idea, what we see and appreciate is Jesus chose the apostles. The apostles didn't choose Jesus. And when you look at that band of 12, the 12 disciples, 12 apostles, uh, we have two sets of brothers. We have 11 that are from Galilee, one from Judea. We have a tax collector and we have a zealot, which were just opposites on the extreme section of things. And so when we look at that, naturally, they would have chosen each other. Um, that there's just too many, too many differences among them. And it, it was just a recipe for disaster. I mean, if we were, if we were doing this ourselves, like a, like a sports team, and we were picking people, uh, we would say th this, is, this is not going to work. There, there are too many opposites here. There's too many uh, things that's just not going to go well. But what we see is what Jesus does is by spending time with them, and we'll talk about the methods he used, but he molded them and shaped them and got them to be where they needed to be. Now, in the process, and we'll talk about this here in just a moment, there were three major things they had to overcome. And through the leadership, the shepherding of Jesus, they did those things. But we begin, first of all, by noticing these 12 apostles, how different they were, different backgrounds. Some were related, some were not related. And we see that bridge to the local congregation. Here we are, and we have a lot of differences among us. Uh, we may be of different race. We may be of different nationalities. Some of us, as we use the expression, grew up in the church. Some of us are multi-generations in this church. Some of us are very first generation, and we all have a background, and we all have baggage, and we all have different experiences. And so you put that together in a congregation, and you think, this is a disaster. <laughs> this is not going to work. And yet we see throughout the New Testament these expressions like be of one voice, one mind, one heart. And I think when we look at what Jesus did with the apostles, it's an example of what we have to do with each other. And I think in the ideal world, um, we would like to handpick our congregation. We would, we would like to say, I'm, like a sports team, I'm going to pick what members are going to be in this church. And, and there'd be a lot of people we may not include. Um, there'd be a lot of people that we may not even like, but here we are. And so you got a Matthew. A congregation, and you think we all have baggage. We all have. Is that you, Aaron, or is that someone on Zoom? Let me figure this out real quick. That's not. Is that... Go ahead. Are you there, Roger? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yes. Okay. Because that. Cause, yeah, I was hearing something in the background there. So. Uh, okay. So. Sorry about that. So. So what, what we're looking at here is, you know, we don't get to pick who the members are going to be. And so we got a mixture. We have professional people and we have people who are non-professional. We have people who are highly educated and people who have just simple education. We have very wealthy and some who may be very poor. 
We may have people who've done everything and people have done very little. Um, we had people who are varsity, some people have never made the team. And you put that together in a congregation and sometimes that's just all it takes is for jealousy and bitterness and clicks and I don't like you and all these things go along. Well, we see the same thing could have happened with the apostles. The exact same thing could have happened with the apostles. But Jesus didn't let that. And so how he handled those 12 apostles is a bridge for how shepherds today and how really all of us must work with each other because uh, that's the idea of us becoming one. And, you know, we have differences and we have all this background, but we got to work through those things. And I think that's kind of how we begin this concept as we think about what God wants us to do. Uh, to begin with, let's go over the book of Philippians and in chapter two, and this is just one of the many places where uh, we find this principle of uh, unity in the Bible. But in Philippians two and verse two, the apostle says, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. So all through that, we see this idea of the unity and the oneness. But somebody can look at that passage and say, how can we be of one mind when I don't have the same background or I don't have the same education or I don't have the same experiences? And that very same thing could be said of the apostles. How in the world could a Matthew be one with fishermen? Matthew had a desk job. Peter, James, and John, they spent their life on the sea and in the boat. And yet Jesus pulled them together and shepherded them and got them to be this unit that would go into all the world. And what's really fascinating about this is that there wasn't a B team. There wasn't a junior squad. There wasn't, there wasn't guys on the bench. And so if these guys didn't work out, Jesus didn't say, you know what, I'm going to bench you guys and pull up the other guys. Now, that didn't happen. And so it was them or nobody. And in many ways, again, that's the church. If it's not going to be us, who's going to do it? So we have to be the light of the world. We have to be the voice of God. We have to be the hands and the feet of God. We have to be the kingdom today. And if we can't, he's not going to say, well, sit on the bench. I'm going to bring up the reserves. There are no reserves. It's us. So, so that's why a lesson like this, you know, it's beyond just shepherding. It's really the interactions within a congregation. How do we gel together? How do we click together? How do we, how do we get along with one another? And, and uh, I think another great opening passage would be over the book of Galatians, where, where Paul would say in chapter three, as he talks about some of the differences there, he said there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free man. There's neither male nor female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. And every one of those were major differences in the first century world. Jew and a Gentile would do nothing together. Slave and a master wouldn't socialize together. Uh, male and female, they, they had big differences back then. But they were one in Christ. And so, so that, that's what this is about, because... Our society, I think, today is really pushing our differences, and it, it, it's really alienating us, putting everybody in different categories. 
And what I see in the New Testament is this idea of oneness. Don't matter if you're Jew, don't matter if you're Gentile, male, female, slave, master, you're one mind, one heart, one purpose. And that's how it begins in Jesus. So I'll flip it back to you, Aaron, for a moment. Okay. Uh, and there's so many uh, directions my brain's going right now. So I'll try to harness that in. But I, you know, I was thinking of one, I thought about marriage. You know, there's no B team there either. You know, it's not, uh, if we don't figure this out, who's going to figure it out? You know, and so uh, it's a very important point, Roger. Uh, think of those political differences, like you mentioned, just, just with Matthew and Simon the Zealot. I mean, just that one. You have someone who works for the Roman government and the other one wants to tear it down. How do you get those two people to work together? And yet, do we not see those same, those same differences and, and backgrounds and philosophies today in the church? We do. We do. We, we, we may call it Republican and Democrat, but it's the same thing. You know? it's but I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, right. And or conservative and liberal, um, it's mm -hmm. the same thing. Um, yeah. And then, and then you pull in in the local congregation. Um, you've got folks who uh, have just been around for a long, long time, generation after generation. You get somebody who's mm -hmm. fresh from the world, or somebody who's fresh from denominations, and they have that that baggage that comes with them. And so, uh, you know, how is it? we don't alienate and just say, okay, I'm only going to be with people like me and the others are not like me. I'm going to kind of ignore them. Well, that, that's not going to make you one mind, one heart. And so that's, that's where this kind of, kind of comes into be as we think about that. Yeah. It's great thoughts. You know, I was also thinking about uh, Nehemiah chapter three, Roger, and I don't, I know we don't want to go down that direction, but I, I was just thinking about as they rebuilt the walls, all the differences, you know, if you read through that chapter, all of the people, who had such different backgrounds, perfumers and goldsmiths and people in the, from the tribe of Levi. And, you know, there's so many different people that, that I don't know if I would normally see them together, but they're all picking up rocks and putting them on top of one another to make a wall. They are every man built from his own house. That, that was the key. That's it. You know, that's it. If I'm building, if I'm building the other side of the city. I may not care too much, but if I'm building from my own house, it's going to here. Yeah. Okay. And there's, yeah. there's, there's and so that may, right that's right. And so that may play into what you're going to talk about later. If you just the focus that we need, but, um, I don't see any questions or comments yet. So Roger, just go ahead with, with your next thought. Okay. Sure. So, so as we think about this concept of Jesus shepherding these apostles, there were three major attitudes he had to reshape and all of us come with attitudes. Um, you know, sometimes it's it's the way we were raised. Um, I don't believe a person's born with hatred or prejudice. I think that's the environment they grow up in and the people they hang around with. And so so all of us have attitudes. We, we have attitudes about ourselves, about the world, and about all kinds of things. And so, so one of the first things Jesus had to do was reshape these attitudes. And one of the first attitudes he had to overcome was their attitude about themselves. And so, so let's, uh, again, grab just a couple of verses, kind of illustrate this. But in Matthew chapter 18, Matthew chapter 18, and in verse 1, the Bible says, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, why would you ask that? 
I mean, that, that, that that's just beyond me. Why would you even, and, you know, of course, the, the obvious answer ought to be, it's Jesus. Jesus is the greatest. But after that, why does it matter? And they had an attitude about themselves. And, you know, Jesus describes himself in, in his invitation, coming to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. He talks about how I'm gentle and humble in heart. Uh, he had to teach them humility. And that was a big, a big change that had to come about. Another verse that, that also illustrates this is in Luke, Luke 22, Luke 22 and verse 23 and 24, Luke 22, verse 23 and 24, it says, uh, and they began to discuss among themselves which one of them it might be who's going to do this very thing. And he rose a dispute among them as to which one of them was to be regarded as the greatest. Now, you, you and I, we can just eavesdrop on that conversation. I mean, there's that little inner circle, Peter, James, and John. You know, Bartholomew wasn't in that. So Peter, James, and John must have thought that they were the cream of the crop. Um, you get the idea of John, the disciple Jesus loved, but Peter was the one who walked on water. And so, so they're, they're, they're fussing about who is the greatest. And that was an attitude that Jesus had to change. And through shepherding, we'll talk in, the, in a moment here, the process he did that. But, it, but in shepherding these people, he had them to get them to see, you got to think the right attitude about yourself. And again, see the bridge to the church. It's the same thing today. Uh, we live in a selfish society and we come into a congregation and what's this church going to do for me? And what's this church going to do for my family? And here I am and give to me and give to me and give to me. And sometimes, oftentimes, we need our attitude adjusted. We need shepherding to get our thinking about ourselves in the right place. And so, so that's, that was one of the great hurdles Jesus had to begin with. Um, the 12 he chose, they were not gifted speakers. They were not wannabe rabbis. They were not, you know, superstars or rock stars of their day. They were just common people but they all had attitudes that need to be adjusted. Now, second thing that Jesus had changed, he had to change their thinking about other people. And, and I've got about three or four verses I want, to, I want you to look at with me because this really illustrates this, how, how they thought about other people. So let's turn to Matthew, Matthew chapter 14, Matthew chapter 14, and, and look at verse 15. And this, this deals with the feeding of the 5,000. And this, this kind of introduces the feeding of the 5,000. And so in Matthew 14, verse 15, and when it was evening, the disciples came to him saying, this place is desolate. The time is already past. So send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Now, we're going to see a common bond here in the next three or four verses. And that common bond is, the apostles were always wanting to send the people away, send them away, get rid of them. And that had to change in their thinking. Now, Matthew chapter 15, let's look at another example of this. Matthew 15, verse 22. Matthew 15, 22. 
Behold, a Canaanite woman came out from that region and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he did not answer her word, and his disciples came to him and kept asking him, saying, Send her away, for she is shouting out after us. Once again, you see, you see the spirit of the, of the apostles. There's a problem. Get rid of it. Not cure it. Not fix it. Send them away. Now, let's look again. Matthew chapter 19. And this deals with uh, the children. Matthew chapter 19 and in verse 13, Matthew 19, 13. Then some children were brought to him so that he might lay his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. Okay, They rebuked them for having children there. Then the final one I want you to look at in this section is in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, and verse 54. And then we're going to kind of tie this all together. Luke chapter 9, verse 54. And his disciples, James and John, saw this. They said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? So, so here's an attitude we find reflected toward other people. Either get rid of them or destroy them. Now, that's not the spirit of Jesus. Jesus came to seek and to save. Jesus came to help these people. And so, so what I want you to see is Jesus began with these 12 people. He had to get them to change their thinking about themselves. Then he had to get them to change their thinking about other people. And we're not sending people away. We're going to help them. We're not going to destroy people by fire. We're going to try to save them. And again, that concept that they had about that. Now, the third thing that he had to change about them, he had to change their attitude about who Jesus was. And that really is reflected in multiple places here. But let's just go to the book of Mark and look at a couple examples. Mark chapter 4, right after Jesus calms a storm. Mark 4 and verse 41, and they became very much afraid and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Their, their concept of Jesus was changing. And then one other example of this is in Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 8, and starting at verse 14. Now, this follows the feeding of the 5,000. And then the feeding of the 4,000, that's already taken place. So Mark 8, verse 14, and they had forgotten to take bread and did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. And he was given orders to them saying, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Do you not see or understand? Do you have a hardened heart? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many large baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? They said to him, 12. And when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? They said to him, seven. And he was saying to them, do you not understand? See, they're complaining because they just have one loaf of bread. And Jesus said, you got me. 
Two times I've showed you I can multiply food. Why are you upset? Why are you discussing these things? And so he had to change their view and their attitude about who he was. He wasn't just a rabbi. He wasn't just a teacher. He was God on earth. And that's what they had to see. And so when we think about this idea of shepherding, shepherding the apostles, the bridge for us is we need to change our attitudes about how we see ourselves. We must change our attitude about how we see other people. We must change our attitude about how we see Jesus. And that's really the process that Jesus used to begin to get these 12 to be where they should be. Okay, Aaron, I'm going to kick it back to you now. Okay, um, I just stole that for a sermon. I'm just letting you know. That's really good. Okay. I don't know if I should, where do I send the check? Um, but, <laughs> yeah. but uh, <laughs> okay, so a couple things. You know, as you, as you were talking about the greatest, what does that look like today, Roger? I know you're really good at just the practical application and, and just thinking about what this looks like today. You know, they were arguing about the, what the greatest is. And I think sometimes we stumble up in ways of like, what does that look like for Christians today? What does that look like in the church, the home, arguing about who the greatest is? Well, you, you know, in, in the world of sports, we use, we use the term goat. Greatest the of goat. all time. The goat. The yep. goat in football yep. is Tom Brady. The greatest of all uh, time, whether you like it or not. <laughs> I know. The greatest, okay. So, so yeah. among disciples, the greatest is going to be a servant. That's how Jesus defined that. And yeah. you know, number one, he is the greatest, and he came not to be served, but to serve. And so, when we think about, you know, first, first of all, I don't like that. I don't like that concept. You know, who who's the greatest member in the church? I, I, number one, I don't think we should even go there because because so often there's things being done behind the scene that very few people That's know. Right. And, That's right. you know, don't, don't let the right hand know what the left hand is doing. There's lots of things, you know, how many people, maybe they'll never stand up and do anything publicly, but they're praying their heart out every night. And mm -hmm. those are things, we, you know, or those who are sending cards and, and we don't recognize those things, but, but, you know, the, the way the Bible would describe greatness is in, in is in the idea of service, and yeah. you know, busyness can be defined in a lot of ways. I mean, it's not always visible. Sometimes it's just an encouraging word. Sometimes it's just a compliment. Sometimes it's it's just a prayer going to heaven. But that's that's how it's going to be. Now, you know, mm -hmm. you and I are both preachers, and I think sometimes we get too much attention. We're, you know, we're very visible. Amen. And, you know, our names are on the stationery, our names are on the signboard, you know, it's, it's, you know, and everything surrounds us. But if there wasn't a congregation, there wouldn't be an us. And, and, you know, right. the, the backbone of the church to me is not the preacher. It's just the dedicated moms and dads who are just doing what they can for Jesus. That's the greatest. And so, you know, we, yep. you know, there may be a person out there and they say, well, you know, I'll, I'll never be a preacher. I'll never be an elder. I'll never be a deacon. So I'm just, I'm just a simple member. That's awesome. Do that and be a yeah. disciple. And, and that, that makes all the difference in the world. I think as we try to serve, serve yeah. the Lord. 
Yeah, and I would take the just out of there because it seems to minimize it, right? I'm just an ordinary member. I'm just, no, 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 you're part of the body. You don't say I'm just a hand. Uh, I need that hand. That's it. Right? That's it. And yeah. That's- you know, the, you know, I was thinking about the disciples and, you know, they were always arguing who the greatest was. And one of the ways they did that, I think they were arguing the night Jesus was telling them some heavy things. He was going to be betrayed and killed. And they were arguing about who was the most committed. I mean, Peter was like, if all of these leave you, you know, I'll never leave you. And I, I just wonder if maybe I'm the most committed. I'm the most loyal. This is the best preacher. This is the best teacher. This is the best, 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 best. And, and that's just silliness. And um, so that I, I appreciate you bringing that up because so important for us to, in order to work together is to see, you know, Jesus ourselves and others in that way. One more thing before I uh, ask Ruben here a question, but uh, when you're talking about the children, you know, I love that, you know, the, the disciples were always sending people away. Um, well, you mentioned the account in, Mar- in Matthew. I don't know if it says it in Matthew, but I was looking at Mark and it says when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. Yeah. And that doesn't happen very much in the New Testament where Jesus is indignant, but in that occasion, he was indignant. That's striking to me, Roger. Well, it is. And, you know, uh, we replaced children and we replaced the first century and it's Sunday morning and in comes this guy and he's tattooed all over. Maybe he has several piercings. And first thing we want to do is, oh, you don't want to come here. You want to go to the church down the road. No, mm-hmm. that's not right. That's not right. You know, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, in, in, in real estate, they use this expression of pre-qualifying somebody. And they do yeah. that to save everybody peace of mind. You know, you're driving around, you see this $6 million house and say, well, I want to go look at that. And the agent will first of all run your numbers. And if they find out you can't afford apartment, we're not going to waste your time, you know. <laughs> and, and, and sometimes right. we want to pre-qualify people to come to our congregation. Um you know, here, here, here's somebody, and it's, they're on the first marriage. He has a stable job, a couple. He'd make a great member. We say that, okay? But when we look at the woman at the well, she'd been through mm-hmm. five marriages, and now she was living with somebody she wasn't even married to. Now, if we, if we showed up Sunday morning and said, hey, I'm bringing my coworker to, you know, my coworker's going to come to church, and she's been married five times, and she's now living with it, we'd say, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> but mm-hmm. you know what? We pre-qualify. Mm-hmm. Let the Lord right. let the Lord iron that out. Let the Lord iron that out. Let let us bring everybody to the Lord. And yeah. and so again, in our world today, you know, we, we, we may we may deal with uh, this cultural battle we're in and the gender fight sometimes we're we're struggling with, and we may you know our attitudes about others. See, there, there was the, the disciples, they're saying, send them away, send them away. And maybe we yeah. need to, you know, think about, okay, is that, is that the message we want? You are not welcomed here. No, no. That's yeah. Jesus. So, so, you know, what we see in this, what he did with the apostles, lessons for us. That's right. Well, another follow-up thought is uh, how, how easy, I mean, there's really not much required of me to send people away. I mean, 
there wasn't much required of the disciples to, to send everybody away. There's really little effort on their part. And the same, like you said, to call down fire upon the Samaritans and destroy them. There's really little effort on that on their part. I mean, except bringing some fire. But, you know, Jesus wants them to to like, wait a minute, you, you're going to have to do more than that. you got to bring them in. You feed them. You take yeah. care of them. You listen to them. You forgive them. Yeah. So it's uh, there's a there's a lot of investment he's asking us to make um, instead of just taking the easy route. Uh, Ruben, did you uh, did you have any uh, comments on Zoom or do you have any comments yourself? Um, I don't think there was anything on Zoom. Let me take a look, make sure. Oh, holy cow. Yeah, we've got something. Uh, I didn't see you. I didn't see you there. Sorry, Fritz. Uh, so Fritz has a couple of comments. Uh, he says the Lord's church is made up of many people who are just what Aaron was talking about, who are just a Christian. Uh, every person has a role to play and we just have to find out what ours is. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Uh, and then he goes on to say this in a second comment. We may have to step out of our comfort zone to find what it is that we need to do, what our, uh, what our talent is that God has given us. Yeah. Amen. That's it. Hey, Fritz is Fritz is one of our former shepherds here. So we have several several men in our congregation who have uh, one time served at, at Dallin as uh, shepherds, and so Fritz is one of those. Thank you, Fritz. Ruben, do you have anything? I was just thinking about how easy that attitude that the um, disciples had can we can adopt that attitude. How easy it can be for us to adopt that attitude because you know Jesus, he, he wasn't like calling Pharisees or anybody to be his disciples we would expect that of the pharisees as a matter of fact he was just calling kind of like regular regular guys uh but eventually they got this attitude oh we're better than everyone else we're the greatest and we're going to start sending those people away man it's it's so good that jesus found us and not those people not saying they necessarily had that attitude but you can imagine <laughs> you know and sometimes we get that attitude you're talking about the guy who's all tatted up and now we pre-qualify people i thought that was a great point oh, aren't we man jesus has us and isn't he so lucky not that we would ever say that but the way we treat people sometimes it's like we're saying it with our actions so. well and, and and how we illustrate it is you know all of us needed the grace of god but a lot of us can stand with that elder brother in Luke 15 and when it's time to give grace to others. Now I'm not going to give it to this guy. This guy doesn't deserve it. And mm -hmm. that right there is an attitude because if you say I got it, but you don't deserve it implied in that is I did deserve it. No, you're wrong. Yeah, that's not that's right. right. Yeah. So. I mean, that's the older brother. I've never transgressed your commandment at any time. Right. And uh, right. that's how he saw himself, going back to your point. Uh, Petula said, we are all made in the image of God. If we are not open to sinners, what's our purpose? So great question. Yes, that's it, exactly. And, you know, again, all the way back to the Old Testament, uh, is that the problem with Jonah? Um, you know, <laughs> he wouldn't go to Nineveh. And uh, not those kind of people. You know, they, they were not of Israel. And so uh, I, I don't I don't care about them, you know, and that that again is a, is an attitude and so uh mm -hmm. we all have these attitudes but we gotta let god shepherd us and change these attitudes yeah amen well so uh why don't we just move on to your your next section okay good um let's talk a little bit let's go to matthew 16 
I want, I want to do a little journey here with you because partly to get these attitudes right, Jesus does a little subtle reminder here and there. So remember Matthew 16 when um, Peter makes a great confession that Jesus is a Christ, the Son of the living God. And uh, he says in verse 18, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not overpower it. Now what's interesting is when you look at some other places, particularly later, like uh, I'll give you one example over here in Mark 14, and this takes place in the garden, Mark 14 and verse 37, it says, and he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Now, now we just read that and just kind of let that slide through us, but he changed his name to Peter, but what he says here is, you're acting like you're not acting like Peter. You're acting like Simon, and just just kind of a reminder of that. Okay, and then then you know that happens a couple other times. For instance, in uh, Luke chapter seven, Luke chapter seven and verse forty, um, Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And so you know I, I think subtly. By Jesus just going back to that, this is the name you you were given. This is this is the name you're known by, and sometimes you're slipping back to your old ways, and you need to be a Peter. But sometimes you're acting like a Simon, and even at the very end in John chapter twenty one, when he talked about "Do you love me?" he would use the word Simon. Simon, do you love me? And I think that's just, that's just a, I think the Lord's just subtle way of reminding him, well, you changed my name to Peter, but you're calling me Simon. Maybe I'm acting like a Simon here, and I need to, need to be a little bit different than that. Now, as we've talked about how the, the shepherding uh, of the apostles, how did Jesus accomplish this? And, and I think there are three ways that this came about. Number one, he was patient with them. Um, now the totality of his ministry is about three years and that's short. I mean, that's, that's less than high school, but three years, basically nonstop. He was working, molding, showing and helping them. And that's a lesson for us. Uh, we need to be patient with one another. Some of us have been around. Some of us have heard these things all of our life and we got it. Others, this is the first time through and they don't have it. And sometimes it's not crystal clear as it is to some of us. And so we need to be patient with them. And, you know, there are times we see Jesus getting frustrated with the apostles. Uh, at least five times in the book of Matthew, he would say to the apostles, oh, ye of little faith. And then he would see somebody like the Syrophoenician woman, and he would marvel or we, we would use the word wow. Jesus, wow, because he saw such incredible faith. Um, the the uh, centurion whose servant was injured, and he said, you don't even need to come to my house. Just say the word. Jesus was impressed with that. So, so how he got these people to change, number one was he was patient with them. And he just kept going over and going over and going over. And that's what we have to do. Um, 
Sometimes we preachers think, okay, I preached a sermon on this. They got it. That should be it. But it's not. And we need to go back to fundamentals. And every generation has to hear these lessons again. And they need to know about the church and fundamentals and the basics. And those of us that understand that, we need to just encourage that and be patient. There's a whole bunch of people who have never heard those things. And so how Jesus shaped them, first of all, was being patient with them. Secondly, he did that by, by preaching, just preaching, preaching, preaching to them, to the multitudes, just impressing upon them, this is the way it should be. And, and by doing that, they were getting these heavenly messages, messages that they need to see, that it's not about me. It's not about happiness. It's not about the moment. It's about the eternal principles of God. And that's what Jesus kept stressing and, and emphasizing. And then the third way he did that, by, by being patient, by preaching, and the, by getting the right perspective, getting that kingdom view. This is not about you, Peter. It's not about you, John. It's not about who's the greatest. This is about the kingdom of God, this kingdom that was talked about in Daniel, this kingdom that was talked about in Isaiah, the, the idea that this is God's divine plan. And you get that kingdom concept. And then, then they would kind of get that idea under them. And I think that would help them start becoming the people that God wanted them to be. And so, again, it's the same thing for us today. Um, you know, how do we shepherd people? Well, we have to be patient and we have to preach. We have to show them. And then we have to get them to get the right perspective, the perspective of heaven and that God is first and God's word is always right, always right. And, and that we need to trust what God says, no matter what's going on around us. I mean, there's times the storms are around us and times the floodwaters are coming and we can get scared. But God has said certain things, and we need to trust what God says. And so those are, those are the perspectives that, that will help us today. And, of course, I think before all things, what they saw, they saw Jesus being that model. You know, what they were to be, they saw in Jesus. He was humble. He had the right kingdom concept. He had the right heart about other people. He had the right attitude about himself. And he had the right attitude about other people. And so, so again, as we shepherd others, as we think about shepherding in our homes, being leaders to our children and helping other people in the congregation, we have to be the example. You know, our words, our actions, our attitudes, all those things kind of gel together as we think about being the people that God wants us to be. And so uh, great, great concept, how you take this, mismatched group of 12 people, put them together, and you see that that was, the, that was the element of going to all the world and preaching the gospel. And it came about because Jesus shepherded them, led them in the right direction. Okay, back to you, Aaron. Uh, uh, just again, there's another great three-point sermon, so thank you. Um, checks in the mail. <laughs> But, uh, you know, Luke, you know, yesterday I preached, as I told you, yesterday I preached on uh, Roe v. Wade, what now? And some of these things you're talking about are just so applicable to the discussion. Um, I was thinking about the, the, the culture that Jesus created around him. And as we think about Jesus shepherding us, 
one of the things, and I, of course, I know growing up, uh, Roger, uh, I was like, how many sermons can this guy get out of Luke 15? And I don't know how many times you would preach out of Luke 15. And I love, I mean, I realized, man, I would do what I know last time I talked to you was like 30 some sermons. I'm sure it's up to more now, but, uh, you know, I was, I was thinking about Luke 15, one and two, it says that all the sinners came near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them, which is a, which is a wonderful statement about Jesus that he received sinners and they were safe to come to him. Um, and that's that creating that environment is what Jesus was trying to shepherd them to understand. And all these people they were trying to dismiss and send away, going back to your previous point, that wasn't his heart. And, uh, so as we, as we think about, okay, what culture am I creating around me? What, what culture am I, am I modeling, right? As I think about being a shepherd, even though I'm not in that, that title, that position as an elder, you know, as, as a dad, as a husband, you know, as a, as a teacher, a preacher, uh, am I, am I, am I modeling that, you know, for, uh, for other people, that culture, that environment. So it's just great thoughts. Um, yeah, the writer, you, the yeah, writer, sorry, go ahead. Uh, the writer Philip Yancey in his uh, classic book, uh, The Jesus I Never Knew. I love that book. But, but he Great has book. a statement there that um, the people could not stay away from Jesus. But today they can't stand Jesus's people. And that's telling. You know? That's telling. There, there, there's, been a, yeah. there's been a disconnect somewhere. You know, I, I, I personally believe that Christians sometimes have made more atheists than Charles Darwin. And, um, I know that's a hard statement, but I just had a discussion with a young person recently and it, you know, their hesitancy to become a Christian boiled down to the way they've seen Christians behave. Right. And, and, uh, and the, that's huge. You know, the other side of that too is when, uh, Christian has fallen away and been out to the wilderness and they want to come back. One of the things that they dread is coming back to the church. Um, mm -hmm. they, mm -hmm. they, they may say, you know, I'll ask God for forgiveness. I, I want to be right with the Lord, but I fear coming back to the church. And, that, and, and that's a wrong atmosphere. You know, that, that's an atmosphere that needs to change. Um, you know, you walk in that building, here's somebody who hasn't been there in you know, a decade and they've, they've made wrong choices and the stares and the whispers and all the, you know, um, that's enough just to, you know, all the questions, you know, that's just enough for a person to say, uh, I can't handle this. I'm out of here. And so, so again, mm -hmm. when we think about attitudes toward other people, you know, uh, you know, the golden rule runs right through there. Um, what, what if it was me and what if I've been out in the wilderness for a long time and I wanted to come back, uh, how would I want people to treat me? Well, that's the way I need to be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know, let, let, let's, let's get rid of the questions and let's not, you know, point our radar gun at everybody. Let's, you know, let, let's open our arms up and, and embrace like the father did. Um, years, years yeah. ago, I was uh, in a meeting and there was a young man that got arrested the night before. And so we'd gone down, the preacher and I went down to the jail and talked to that young man and, and, and he's going he's to be released the next day. And I told the church, I said, you stand at the crossroads. Y'all can be the father in Luke 15 
or you can be the elder brother. And I said, when this young man comes back, I said, the, what, the, the choice you make may determine whether he stays with it or he leaves. And, you know, we always, we always think, well, you know, he was the one who did wrong. He has the problem, but sometimes it's us and we need to think about our, our spirit. And once again, you know, what I see is, is, is a close, close parallel to the attitude the apostles had toward others. Send them away. Send them away. Yeah, you know, one of the things that you've said over the years and I, I've taken is just with Luke 15, both of the sons ended up outside of the house at one point, you know, but at the end of the story, sadly, the older brothers that went outside the house and that's not where we want to be. And that's, uh, you know, as we're, as we're thinking about this, uh, there's a comment, uh, Petula, did I, I don't think I said this one, but Petula said, when Aaron asked us Sunday morning, if our heart is open for the woman who had an abortion or someone caught up. Uh, caught up in sin to come to us for help. That was an aha moment. Are we doing what you said Jesus did? You know, uh, are, are we following Jesus's uh, command to have patience and compassion? Are we following his example? You know, uh, as we think about that story of the sinful woman in Luke 7, you know, we can put in sins there, right? I mean, um, right. and right. just think about, well, is there something that I'm like, uh, that I preach with such disgust and, and disdain that the person who's struggling with it would never open up to me. Right. So, so we can draw a line and be firm against abortion, but at the yes. same time, we need to be firm and saying, I want to help find solutions. I want to yeah. support adoptions. I want to, you know, help people find alternatives rather than ending that life. So, you know, so it's one thing to say, I'm against it. It's your problem. Go fix it. But I think the idea is, you know, yeah, yeah, there's something wrong, but let me be the help. Let me be the help. Mm -hmm. And then to put, put our money, put our efforts, put our time into those very things. Absolutely. Yeah, great, great thoughts. Um, Ruben, did anything on Zoom? Uh, I was just, I was like, I'm going to be very careful saying no this time. But no, there's nothing, uh, nothing new on Zoom. <laughs> okay. 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 Do you have any thoughts? Oh, no. Very good thoughts, though, guys. I really appreciate the conversation. So, right. you know, do you have any? Uh, yeah, keep going. OK, one other subtle lesson in all this, which which is also a bridge to us, is that you have the perfect Jesus among these imperfect disciples, but they had to have the heart to be shepherd. Um, you're not going to change your attitude about yourself or others or even Jesus unless you're willing. And the same is for us today. Um, you know, th there are some who, who are set in their ways and, you know, they, they live by these little mottos. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. And they, you know, they got all these little mm -hmm. phrases. They use. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and basically what they're saying is I'm not changing. This is the way I am. I call them the way I see them. And a lot of times it, it, it's just, it's ungodly. And a lot of times it's not yeah. right. It's not compassionate. And so, you know, I can change if I allow myself to be shepherded by Jesus. But, that, but Jesus cannot change me if I do not allow that. And so, so when, I, when I read the scriptures, I've got to read myself in there. Say, okay, I am that prodigal. 
I can be and have been that elder brother. I need to be that father. Now, you know, or you can just read it as black and white words and make no application. And so, you know, the, the key to all this is, you know, they changed because they eventually wanted to change. I can change if I want to change. And so I can be compassionate. I can be generous. I can be kind. All, all those things can work. Um, it's just, it's just, you know, it's not that some people get it and some people don't get it. What it is, is the having the heart to be shepherd. And when we do that, we become what God wants us to be. And so, uh, that, I think that's the, the, the main bridge there. You know, when, when you get somebody and he's stubborn and he, he's closed minded and his mind is made up, I'm not changing. Um, he's not going to change. And he may very well die with those wrong attitudes. And so, so that, that helps us to realize, you know, maybe I am a Matthew. Maybe I'm a Simon the Zealot. Maybe I'm a Peter. I talk too much. And, you know, whatever one of those are. But if I let the Lord talk and I listen and I look to Jesus' example, I can be what the Lord wants me to be. It's just a matter of being shepherded by the Lord. Okay. All right. Well, amen to that. Just a couple of the thoughts. You were talking about Peter, and uh, I know you mentioned it already, but I was thinking about after the resurrection, Jesus is sitting on the shore with him after breakfast and had an uncomfortable conversation and the text of John 21 tells us that Peter was grieved because he said the, set, the third time, do you love me? But if, if I want to grow, I've got to have the uncomfortable conversations with God, and I've got to have the uncomfortable conversations with those who are trying to shepherd me. Right. And, right. and that's, that's critical if I'm not willing to do that. Like you said, Peter was willing to do that. That made the difference between him and Jude. Jude, Jude, uh, Jude uh, Judas checked out. Peter decided, I'm going to listen. I'm going to, I, I need help. And so, so from, from Peter's perspective, he trusted his shepherd. He knew his shepherd was doing what's right. And now our shepherds on earth are not Jesus. They're not perfect. They're not our savior. We would never say that. But as right. a unit, they've got godly wisdom, tons of experience. And when they want to talk to me, or they want to advise me. I need to listen to them. I need to realize mm -hmm. that they're doing this to make me a better me. And I need to, to open my heart up. But when we dig our heels in and we just kind of get real defensive and we start pointing our finger at other people, well, why aren't they talking about this guy or that guy? Um, we just shut the door and we're, and we're not going to be changed. And, you know, the difference between the apostles and majority of the Pharisees is that the Pharisees would not allow themselves to be shepherded by Jesus. The apostles did. And so the apostles changed. And, you know, the, the loud Peter who was talking without thinking at, at the end of the New Testament, he's a changed person. John is That's a right. changed person. You know, 
Pharisees, many of them died unchained. Yeah. And so that, that, so that's where we are. And you know, which one am I going to be? That's that kind of makes us think about those things. Wow. God bless you, Roger. I love you. And thank you so much for, for joining us tonight. I just want to close with a, with a thought here, uh, from Acts chapter four, verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. And, uh, they had been shepherded by Jesus and it was evident and uh, so that's that's our goal. That's our hope for what we want for Jesus to do for us um, as he did for the apostles. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to email me at aaron at shepherdingtalk.com. Thanks and have a blessed day.